The winner is. 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 And the winner is. Or somebody can send your luggage. Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos and Doritos. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embrace the term diva. Yeah. Hello, divas, divos, and divs. Welcome back to another episode of Diva Dailies. This is a podcast where we deconstruct divas on film, TV, and in music. I am your co-host, Steffi. And before I bring on the other co-host of this podcast, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. So if you guys are interested in following us on social media, you can follow us at Diva Dailies Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can always email us at divadailiespod at gmail.com. And if you've been enjoying Girl Group Divas Summer this entire time for the past couple of weeks, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that would really, really help us out. But now it's time to bring on the other co-host. It's Jamaican Horns, Angie. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Angie. Yeah, how you doing? I am here, so. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even fake it. You were just like, listen, I'm just here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. You're here. We're all here. So. Angie, yes. today marks the end of Girl Group Divas Summer. Yes. Which, wow. Wow, what a journey. What a journey. What a journey. What a journey, Tisha Campbell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the journey. It's our part two episode of Chloe and Hallie's Ungodly Hour. And I just have to say how serendipitous our timing is because Hallie's clip the teaser trailer for the little mermaid just so happened to come out yeah on the weekend where it's sandwiched in between part one and part two yes wow look yes. at that what a moment i know our timing Woo! <laughs> <laughs> they knew disney knew ariel knew king triton knew king sebastian triton. knew who, who were the other characters prince eric knew scuttle knew flounder knew can i just say Little Mermaid, I'm going to make a controversial statement again. Okay, this is at Poetry Soul 3 moment, <laughs> and there are many to come. <laughs> Little Mermaid was like literally my least favorite in the Renaissance films. Oh, wow. I'm just thinking of like my friend Melanie. That's like, I believe that's her favorite. So sorry, Melanie. <laughs> but I think it's because of the songs. Like, I felt like it was the weakest soundtrack oh, okay. out of all the Renaissance films. It's going up against Lion King, Hercules. Pocahontas. But I think when it came out at the time, it was like, whoa. I still think Little Mermaid's like solid. That is the first, I believe. It is. Of the Renaissance era. Yeah, because I think it went Little Mermaid. I want to say Lion King, then Aladdin. No, I think it's Little Mermaid. I think Rescue's Down Under is second. Whoa. Yeah, I forgot about that movie. And then I think next <laughs> is, I think it might be Beauty and the Beast. And then it's Aladdin. That makes sense. And then it's Lion King. And then Lion King? Yeah. So they had time to work on Lion King because 
Lion King is the best. Since, you know, speaking on Chloe and Hallie, what were your thoughts on the teaser? Well, I loved it. As soon as she started singing, I said, bitch, you better sing. You better sing. I literally got goosebumps. Bro, I teared I was like, up. <gasps> I teared yeah, up. I got like very like verklempt. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my gosh. Because there was part of me that's like, oh my God, it's happening. Because they announced it so long ago. Yeah. When she finished filming, it was 2021, I think. So it was like, oh, we're going to have to wait two whole years. Oh my God. And now it's finally here. And it's just like, it looks better than what I imagined. I do understand that the trailer was not fully finished yeah. with the CGI. Yeah. So it was a bit dark and yeah. people are like worried about that. But oh, that okay. intro coming in, come on now. Yeah. With the coral reef and the sea turtles. I was like, come on. Once they're done, if it's looking like that. I trust in it because of Hallie being Ariel. Bro. And like, honestly, like, fuck all of those people who are complaining about her oh. being Ariel. This podcast supports Hallie Absolutely. being Ariel. Hashtag our mermaid, our Ariel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Disney should be so lucky right? that they have someone like Hallie Man. to be the voice of Ariel. Yeah. To be Ariel. Like that's a princess who's like a huge part of their arc has to do with the voice, you know? Yes. And what's crazy is she didn't seek out the part. Mm. The director had asked her to audition. Oh. She was the first one to audition. Wow. And the director, he just said this a couple of days ago. He said, Halle Bailey had set the bar so high. And he said, everybody auditioned for this role. And then the interviewer was like, oh, can you tell us who? And he was like, no, but just know that everybody. He made a point to like look in the camera. Everybody auditioned for this role. Wow. And Halle Bailey set the bar so high that nobody else passed it. I literally like can't imagine anyone being able to sing like that. That's like in her age group. Nobody. Even think about like Ariana, Zendaya, because these were the names that were being floated. Oh. The the two big ones was Zendaya and Ariana. Mm. Those were the two big fan casted ones. Okay. And so many people wanted Ariana, but I can't see Ariana in this role yeah let her be in wicked yeah she has more of a broadway voice she's like originally a musical theater girl yeah 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 but i feel like hallie's voice is powerful but it's powerful in a completely different way yeah. she definitely gives a disney vibes yeah disney classic princess vibes well i'm so excited and because of perfect timing i included that little clip of her singing like in the episode now yes yes when we like briefly talk about little mermaid so yeah. Okay, well, before we get into the episode, let's quickly go through some listener feedback. Okay, so the first listener feedback that we got is from my friend Miranda, and she said, Love the Diva Dailies episode. I totally would have picked your favorite Chloe and Hallie song, You Love Nostalgia. You do. I do. <laughs> and like I told Miranda, I thrive off of nostalgia this podcast is basically nostalgic nostalgia <laughs> yes <laughs> okay and then our second message comes from Anne, and she said angie described hallie's voice perfectly i might be biased but low-key she is my favorite i just can't get enough of her voice she just floats effortlessly the little mermaid soundtrack will be fire i can't wait thank you for that i really appreciate it mm -hmm. and can i just say too Going back to The Little Mermaid really quick. The whole performance of Part of Your World got leaked. 
Oh no. Someone had videotaped it and it was on the internet for approximately a couple hours, I think. Oh shoot. Okay. When I tell you, she sounds so fucking good. I believe in her. It sounds so different than the original. Wow. Like in the best way possible. Like it's just more powerful. Like you feel why as a mermaid, she wants to get out that sea. Well, I'm excited. I will wait. I will be good and I will wait. I'm going to just tell you now. Oscars are going to be coming her way. Ooh, I wonder if she could get like nominated for a Grammy or something. People were saying future EGOT. She could get the Emmy, Grammy, and Oscar off of this movie alone. So she could get the Grammy for the soundtrack. She could get the Oscar, obviously why. And then she could get the Emmy if she performs at the Oscars. Well, let's see. Future EGOT. Let's see. I'm just saying. Let's see. Okay, and then Anne said she took a screenshot of her listening to Don't Make It Harder On Me. And then she said, currently re-listening because of your grand declaration of love for this song. (laughs) I was like, thanks, that's great. (laughs) And then... And later on messaged and said, kind of sad that girl group Diva Summer is ending, but I'm glad because y'all made me go and listen to other amazing groups as well. Older groups and newer ones, and it's been so much fun. And then she screenshotted all of the different songs from different groups that she's been listening to. So then she's been listening to Atomic Kitten. Okay. 702. Classic. Eternal. Yes. All Saints. All Saints, let's go. S Club 7. Classic. Ace of Base. Okay, okay. Oh, there's a new group, and I agree with her. There's this group called Flow oh, out of the UK. Absolutely. Cardboard Box. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Cardboard Box. Yeah, Cardboard Box. Yes. The UK always, like, when in doubt, they'll always give a girl group. Absolutely. Just saying. Absolutely. And then also, she's been listening to this group called The Nolans. Oh, I haven't It's from, I believe, like the 70s. And then um, Mon Rose. Mm-hmm. The Saturdays. Okay. Changing Faces. Yeah, shout out to Changing Faces. 3LW. Classic. Brownstone. Classic. Okay. Mystique. Okay. Oh, wow. Allure. Allure. And Sunday, which is the girl group that Whitney and Robin did together. And then, yes. you know, Whitney was mentally somewhere else, but... <laughs> <laughs> So we're not going to go down that road, but <laughs> we're not going to go down that road. Um, <laughs> so I told Anne, if we ever do a girl group diva summer again, we need to like reach out to her because she yes. is clearly a group yeah. expert. We definitely need to talk about Brownstone. Brownstone is one of my favorite. Brownstone was actually on our original roster. It was. It and was. then we had to cut it. So yeah, they'll be included. I think we need to do it because that's like several people have now said. Brownstone. And they were Michael Jackson's group. Yeah. So. Hello. Oh, my God. Okay. So Brownstone versus Sunday. Oh. The Michael versus Whitney <laughs> matchup. Sorry, Sunday. <laughs> Whitney was distracted. Brownstone created one of the, for me, one of the most iconic 90s albums. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. I'm just saying. Well, look forward to that in season 15 <laughs> of Diva Dailies. It did. Um, but yeah. Uh, that, uh, that's it. We hope you guys enjoy the last part of Girl Group Diva's Summer because it's ending with part two of Chloe and Hallie's Ungodly Hour. Yes. And then next week, we start a whole new theme. Oh my gosh. Which we explain at the end of this episode. I don't know if we like necessarily explain it the best, but, <laughs> um, you know, we'll re-explain it in next week's episode. Yeah. 
So yeah, enjoy. Welcome to part two of our Chloe and Hallie ungodly hour episodes. This is now the era breakdown portion of our Chloe and Hallie journey. If you guys haven't listened to part one where we reviewed the album track by track, make sure you go back and listen to that. But today we are reviewing the era, talking career context, scandals, controversies, music videos, live performances, how the era was marketed, stats, and the cultural legacy and impact of the album. You guys know the drill by now. It's our last girl group diva. We're going to add strong here. Angie, are you ready? I am super ready. Let's do this. Angie's like, I've been ready <laughs> since this album came out. Basically. So let's, let's do it. get into it. Pretty legendary, if you ask me. I love it. And this era will always have such a close place in my heart. Like, I cherish every era. Into our first segment that we always do, it's the Popcorn and Pop Stars. where we talk about where the divas were at this point in their career and specifically why they did this album. What were they trying to accomplish with the album and era? So Angie, here we go. These are your girls. Tell the story of Chloe and Hallie circa Ungodly Hour. Yes. Okay. So at the end of 2019, Chloe and Hallie are reeling from the success of their first album, The Kids Are Alright, and other ventures. At this point... They've been Grammy nominated for The Kids All Right mm-hmm. with a notable performance of Where Is The Love at the same event. If you guys haven't checked that out, please go check that out. It's one of the best performances. Where is the love? Where is the love? Where is the, where is the, where is the, where is the, where is the love? Oh, where is the love? Also, Hallie rocked the Disney universe with the announcement of her casting as Ariel in the live action Little Mermaid. Out of the sea Wish I could be And they're experiencing a rising success from their show, Grownish. But in December 2019, Chloe and Hallie performed at the Fonda Theater in Hollywood where they previewed two new songs, Do It and Royal, and this officially kicked off their new era. But little did they know, little did everyone know, (laughs) that around the corner was 2020. Yes. (laughs) The mess of 2020 was waiting upon them. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) 2020 plays a huge role into 
the album into the era for obvious reasons. Absolutely. We've all been through 2020 at this point, so... Yes. Ugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so why do you think they did this specific album? Like, what do you think they were trying to specifically accomplish with Ungodly Hour? I honestly think that they want to show the world that they were actually grown <laughs> what's the grownish theme song when they're like i was about to say i'm grown now uh, Watch out, yeah world, world i'm grown, grown now <laughs> yes which is a song that was featured on their first album so oh that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right yeah but yeah they were trying to show the world that they were grown that they grew as artists mm. and as writers and that was very evident on the the album as well and i think they also wanted to be known as legit artists outside their ties to Beyonce. Yes, I have that in my notes too. But yeah, I think those are the three big things. And they wanted to have a crossover appeal right? as well. They want to catch a wider audience for their sound. I mean, their first album, it was a very specific audience that they were directing mm-hmm. their music towards. And this time around, they're just like, listen, we want to win Grammys. We want to be at the top of the charts. We want to do all of that. So their album reflected that for sure. Do you think it was mission accomplished? I think so. Yeah. I, I absolutely think they set out to do what they were trying to do. <laughs> what they were trying, <laughs> trying to do. <laughs> yes. Are you as like a, a fan as someone who followed them since their first album? Are you happy with the direction that they're going in? Or are you like, Ugh. I like it. Yeah. I'm also in this place as a music fan, as a music listener, where I truly believe that we should give artists space to experiment. Oh, completely. To do the things that they want to do. And it seems like this is what they wanted to do. Whether I like the first album more than Ungali Hour or not, uh-huh. for me, doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, they're doing what they want to do. Right. And as a music fan, as a, a fan of the artists, that's what I want at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And they're making great music. Yeah. If they were making shitty music, I'd be sitting here like, ah, Jeebus. All right, come on now. But they're making great music. It's just, it's coming in a different package. I hope they like get more attention. Yes. I just feel like, especially after watching several of their live performances, which we're going to get into. I mean, like I've already seen some of them before, but especially in preparation for this episode, it's just they're so undeniably talented and they're just like doing everything right. Yes. I hope that there will be something where people are more like, wow, Chloe and Hallie. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Like it's it's hard for me as a fan because, you know, when you you've seen our artists go from like the independent struggling artist to like the big huge artist oh are you kind of like gatekeeping them is that what you're trying to say you're like oh but they're like mine yeah, i low-key feel that way like you guys don't know chloe and Allie like i do oh. but then <laughs> but then i'm excited that they're blowing up as they should yeah like you said they're fucking talented who is it mrs Potts, dear I thought you might like a spot of tea. Let's just jump in to spill the Technicolor tea. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. This is the part of the pod where we talk about scandals and controversies from the era. I'm just going to go first really quickly because I feel like Angie's going to just take over this entire episode because these are her girls. But I'm just going to say the main tea that I have is that this came out during 2020. Yes. (laughs) You know, we went through it in 2020. 
Now to growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the U.S. Here's what we know. I know there's so much anxiety out there. We're going to try to walk everybody through what's going on this morning. You think about it, the coronavirus crisis is changing so fast. When I saw the video of George, George Floyd getting murdered in cold blood and the police brutality that continues happening to black people over and over in this country is unacceptable. And we're sick of it. No justice, no peace. As COVID-19 spreads across the United States, so does an alarming rise in hate crimes within Asian American communities. Why did they do that to this car? Division and bitterness, anger and illness. A presidential campaign like no other is about to come to an end. At stake, the destiny of the United States and with it, the future of the world. Tonight, America decides. There was a lot that happened in 2020 and all of those things come into play in regards to the rollout of this album. I have here that the album was postponed by a week. It was supposed to come out on a certain day. They had to hold it because Chloe and Hallie wanted to show solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. As we all know, a lot of people took pause during that time. We we took pause yeah. on this podcast. We didn't release a new episode that particular week. So that's pretty much all I have here. So Angie, take it away. What else do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, 2020 was, was a huge event. Like you said before, the album was pushed back. We're going to talk about this later, but it also informed how they went out Uh and about with this rollout. Totally. And them kind of setting precedent of how artists should perform this era. Right. Because before Chloe and Halle, everything stopped. It wasn't until they performed on Today Show where people were like, oh, we could do this remotely. Okay. You know? Yeah. But this is a cute little fact. All the music videos had already been filmed pre-pandemic oh okay okay okay, yeah all these music videos were done in october and finished by the end of november of 2019 okay nice because hallie was set to go overseas to europe to finish filming the little mermaid so they still want to do this full rollout and have the music videos ready while hallie was doing her thing in europe but then 2020 happened yeah they were already set for a shutdown Mm -hmm. essentially because they had the material already they just needed to release it yeah smart girls yeah you know planning 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 (laughs) planning as i said in the last episode their first single was catch up are not big fans of uh-uh. as well as other fans of Chloe and Hallie because when they released it fans were really coming for them and <laughs> <laughs> wondering why this was the first single especially when they had performed do it and royal already at that concert right and do it sounded like a hit yeah yeah so fans were really wondering why catch up was the first single I think they performed it on BT in April virtually and that was not a great performance so like did they ever address like why that was the first single like what are they just like really good friends with the Sway Lee yeah so yeah they they were cool with Sway Lee they liked a lot of his work they decided to do a collab they said they really enjoyed the song and that's why they released it and they stand Mm. by it to this day they stand I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm with you because as a fan, that's where I got nervous. I was like, oh my goodness. Uh huh. What's about to happen? Uh huh. But then they really do it and all was right with the world. Maybe they kind of have like Beyonce lead single syndrome. Ooh. Where sometimes historically, yep. looking at four, when Beyonce first released Run the World, we love the messaging. Obviously, <laughs> we love female empowerment. But I remember a lot of people were like, what the hell is this? Right. Like, <laughs> like, still to this day, like, four is my favorite Beyonce album, but that's not for sure my favorite song <laughs> off of four. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, look at look what happened to uh, break my break my soul. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are like, "What the right. fuck is going on?" So yeah, they're the proteges. They take over Beyonce. They are the <laughs> proteges. This is my last one, but it's a big topic. This is December of 2020. The sexualization of Chloe Bailey. Oh, we talked about this we on the did. pod before. We did. Yeah. To my four million followers and counting. My candy kisses and my clovers. Thank you all so much for loving me. And I love you right on back. There's a lot more to come. At the time this happened, this is also when the breakup rumors started. But basically in December of 2020, Chloe and Halle teamed up with Verizon Up Presents to deliver their last performance of the year. It was a concert event that was to be streamed on YouTube Live, coupled with interviews right after. It was their first full and last full concert event of this era but as they performed it was clear especially to new fans how different the two girls energy was on stage of course people always said chloe felt like the beyonce and hallie felt like the solange right and those are two completely different energies when you see them live on stage yeah so viewers began to notice that chloe was giving more energy particularly around the time they started performing Forgive Me and Tipsy. Why you wanna play the fifth? You ain't gotta tell me what it is. Cause it's all the messaging. I saw everything. I saw, I saw. I'm And because of this, viewers started saying that Hallie was holding her sister back. Oh. That she was messing up Chloe's potential stardom. It was trending on Twitter. This is like the first era of Chloe and Hallie really trending in a negative way. Mm. It also didn't help that during this performance, they had Hallie's mic noticeably turned down. Oh. And the camera kept focusing on Chloe throughout the whole concert. Oh. Yes. This was also the first time there was an overwhelmingly big conversation around Chloe being extra sexy. Yeah. And it didn't help that a few weeks later, Chloe and Hallie created separate twitter and instagram accounts so they're like following the steps of like we are preparing to separate yes yeah and that added fuel to the fire that they were definitely breaking up people thought that the things that were said on twitter was getting to hallie and that's why they decided to break up their twitter accounts and their instagram accounts but in actuality hallie was just headed back to Europe because things were starting to open up at the top of 2021 uh -huh. and she was going to begin finishing up the little mermaid uh -huh. and they just wanted to be able to do their lives on Instagram together because they wouldn't be able to do it together if they're not in the same room obviously right right but also the energy of the sexualization of Chloe spilled into the top of the year when she did the busted challenge and basically she broke the internet she went trending again and this was the first of many, many, many times where she was criticized for 
her sexuality. Mm-hmm. People are upset that she was being quote unquote too sexual and that her being sexual seemed super forced. Mm. It's a critique that still haunts her to this day. And at that point, Chloe seemed to be trending on Twitter at least twice a week because of photos she would put out going live and wearing a sexy outfit, her covers that she was doing. And she, you know, was breathy doing the covers or something like that. Yeah. Loving you is easy because you're beautiful. Making love with you is all I want to do. Homegirl has been trending anytime she breathes the wrong way. She's too sexual. It's forced. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she's like in her 20s, though. I think people that that's like what they yeah. forget. And that's something that you do. Like a lot of different artists have historically gone through this sort of period where yep. they're suddenly like, ooh, becoming sexually liberated. Like I remember when I was younger and Christina Aguilera during her stripped mm-hmm. era, like that was such a transformation. And people were like, what the is going on Christina (laughs) so and she like started to get some backlash too so yeah and it also kind of reminds me too of like I mean like they're more grown than Chloe is but with the pussycat dolls yeah the whole criticism there is that oh my gosh they're like over sexualizing themselves yeah it is an interesting conversation that happens with how the public and mainstream media they specifically like to police female artists when they express themselves sexually in music and in their art absolutely i totally agree it got so bad that she ended up doing an instagram live where she was actually crying oh my god on instagram live oh did she like get on the instagram live to cry she just wanted to make a a statement but she ended up crying during the instagram live because she was trying to hold it together but she was just addressing the pushback that she got because it was just so huge the first time that she went through it yeah it was just yeah. so big when i perform and when i make music and when i dance that's when i get to tap into the sexier side of myself and that's where i find my confidence i'm not gonna cry this time because y'all know i'd be crying it was hard seeing a young artist breaking down before our eyes and still people were like that's what she gets and all i'm like y'all are tripping right now like chill so it really means a lot to me when i can finally get to a place where i share who i really am and i've been like really insecure for a long time and i'm finally like at that place where i have self-confidence i'm not gonna cry It makes it harder now, too, because with social media, that's something that previous artists from the previous eras, they didn't really have to to navigate or deal with. Absolutely. Kind of uncharted territory here with (laughs) all of this comes into play. It's kind of scary, too. Yeah. Yeah. And for so long, I used to think I was like fat and like I used to hate my stretch marks and my cellulite. I'm not going to (sighs) cry. If I were to like pull a random tea off the top of my head wasn't there rumors people thinking that busy boy was about diggy Simmons? yes yes i feel somewhat emotionally invested in this because i grew up watching run's house, house. with my mom yes. and my mom like loved 
that family. I remember <laughs> watching Diggy when he was like a kid, and I've seen some episodes of Grownish. Yeah. Diggy Simmons and Chloe were love interests, right? On Grownish. On right. Yeah. Yes. And it was rumored that they were actually dating. Mm-hmm. Chloe has never come out and officially confirmed it. Yeah. But it's pretty obvious, especially in some of their Instagram lives. Oh, would he be in the Instagram live? Would he comment? No, Hallie would hint it like <laughs> fans would ask, have you ever dated a co-worker? Right, right, right. And then Hallie would go, I don't know, have we, Chloe? <laughs> and she would do stuff like that. Oh my God. <laughs> She's so <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> Somebody asked, have y'all dated anyone from Cronish in real life? Chloe? <laughs> Be a part. Like I said, she's never confirmed it. Mm. But a ton of people thought Busy Boy was definitely about Diggy. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Diggy. <laughs> yes. I mean, that doesn't surprise me, though. Because I, I don't know. I feel like he gives off the vibe that he could be a bit of a busy boy but (laughs) (laughs) he's definitely giving off those vibes for sure yeah i think they would have been like cute together if he wasn't so busy (laughs) they were cute they're cute together on the show yeah they have great chemistry on the show i'm saying i'm saying when the blog sites hit us oh you guys are dating so are you guys like really dating can we co-star you co-star so nothing to realize no this my this my g right here no hold on wait a minute wait a minute no blushing when I see it. So somebody, I can't Those smile because I'm in great, great yeah, company. I put blush on. Today, so <laughs> the fans want it. Yeah. Like I'm here for it. So <laughs> were the identities of any of the other potential inspirations behind the songs like revealed, or are there conspiracy theories? We're taking out our Olivia Pope corkboard <laughs> on Scandal and making connections With the connections. Here. Yeah, uh, connecting the dots. No, I don't think there was any other names that was mm. mentioned. The big one was Diggy. Yeah. And Chloe was very adamant. She's like, all these songs aren't about Diggy. She, But she said, all of these songs aren't. So that means that there's a possibility <laughs> that perhaps maybe <laughs> one of them is. Perhaps. Maybe. <laughs> if we want to know more about Chloe, we have to look to Hallie. Because Hallie uh. is low-key, very shady to her sister. Yeah. And she'd be spilling the tea, low-key. She's freaking hilarious. Chloe and Hallie used to do this thing. I think it was specifically during the pandemic where they would go on Instagram live and then they would start chatting to random fans. And actually, I know someone who ended up getting answered by Chloe and Hallie. Yeah. His name is Justin. Not the Justin that was on this pod. It's a different Justin. Shout out to him. But it it was so funny. Like when he appeared on the Instagram live, Chloe and Hallie were like, "Ooh, you look like you have some grown tea. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I remember that. Yeah, okay, so that's him. He's a huge Whitney Houston fan. That's how we got connected. Hi. Oh, you look like you got some grown tea. What's your name? I've got grown tea. This wasn't Justin's, like, this didn't happen to him, but someone ended up crying on one of their Instagram lives, and then, like, that person went away, and then Chloe and Hallie were just, like, by themselves, and (laughs) Chloe is such the Beyonce, where she's, like, getting emotional. She's like, oh, God, that was, like, so sad, and then they show Hallie, and she looks like she's trying really hard not to laugh. Bro, when I tell you I literally just watched that live, like, 30 minutes ago, (laughs) that whole time, Hallie's just sitting there Trying to pet the dog, trying not to laugh. Oh no! I don't know. 
It's really funny. It's on YouTube. Look up Ungodly Tea Time December 25th or 24th. Is that Ungodly Tea Time? Like that's something that they were also reoccurringly doing during the pandemic. Yes. But it was specifically called Ungodly Tea Time. Yes. And I was going to bring oh, this wow. up in marketing. But oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, well, it's coming up. <laughs> it's coming up. But it was a regular thing that they did. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. yeah it, it is. I mean, now we're starting to really go into marketing, but that's the thing that really sets Chloe and Hallie apart from all the other girl groups that we've talked about, obviously, is how social media integrates into what yeah. they are doing. And that's, Absolutely. you know, not to state the obvious here, but that plays a huge role when you're promoting right. anything nowadays. So yeah. let's get there now. Do you have any other tea before we move on? No, let's get let's get to the okay. marketing. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. So let's talk about the marketing of the album in the era in a segment we like to call but we need people to buy the album brandy so angie tell us about the marketing with ungodly hour and how they went about marketing the album especially during covid it's interesting because they had a traditional promo and marketing strategy mm -hmm. and it's interesting during this day and age because you don't see that now. Yeah. Usually what happens, an album drops. There might be a music video for it, but there's no huge fanfare around the music video. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You hope that people are talking about your album two weeks out. Mm -hmm. And then you might do like one or two big performances. That's it. That is an album era these days. Mm. But to see Chloe and Hallie do traditional promo, which is you're trying to perform wherever you can, however you can, you're performing the same song over and over, yeah. you know, yeah. really pushing singles, really pushing videos, doing every interview that you can to do this in this day and age. And then to do it in 2020 when the world was shut down, mm -hmm. it's absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. And th I think that's a true testament to their innovation. Right. And their motivation to really push this album yeah for sure like you said they were everywhere and i think a huge reason why it felt like they were everywhere despite covid restrictions were the virtual performances that they were doing Absolutely. all around the world it seemed despite the fact that they were obviously hunkered down at home absolutely artists really had no choice but to do right. that and chloe and hallie's virtual performances top tier are so beyond what other people were doing at the time right. like it's quality yeah and it's not just because they are great performers like it's all about the presentation yes the absolutely. presentation always on point they had sets costumes makeup and hair angie go ahead angie by the way has like made a youtube video about the chloe and hallie virtual performances on her youtube channel that's sleepy nerd productions i watched that video to prep for this so go ahead angie i won't steal your thunder <laughs> talk about the virtual performances of chloe and hallie <laughs> i feel like the virtual performances was the most important aspect 
of the Angali Hour era. Mm-hmm. But they were just performing all the time. And to put it in perspective, they performed Do It more than 20 times alone. <laughs> That's crazy. They had upwards of 40 notable performances this era, not including the endless amount of interviews. Now, their era pretty much was from June to December, going into top of January. Mm, okay. And so 40 big performances. I'm not talking about the smaller performances because there was more smaller performances as well. Yeah. But that meant that they were performing every week. There was some weeks that I remember where they were performing twice a week, three times a week. So we were getting new content constantly. Right. And shout out to their tennis court because that is where a lot of their performances happen. Yeah. The Today Show performance of Do It on their tennis court. They performed for the U.S. Open. Right. That was on their tennis court. Mm-hmm. appropriately so yeah. you know bt awards on their tennis court so a lot of their performances ended up on their tennis court mm. but again their performances were just so groundbreaking and i don't think they get enough love for that yeah or enough acknowledgement for that because again there was no artist performing like they were during quarantine yeah like before then you know people didn't have big expectations of what was supposed to be done because we were living in unprecedented times obviously and so it was just like camera from the laptop let me pull up this like random mic but then you see chloe and holly and they have like a full effing set like if you guys have not seen lights production yeah full product we love production value on this podcast so just like randomly youtube a chloe and holly performance from the era specifically like the virtual performances that they did and you will see what we mean it is a whole other level that they were operating on (laughs) i mean one of the big ones is royal they perform royal on their tennis court yeah and that one the lighting for that i was like what yeah they have lighting you guys (laughs) i mean crazy lighting. like you would think they were on a set outside their house right exactly Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and also shout out to chloe and hallie's neighbors because i know they were performing so much them neighbors were probably like we're getting a concert every night and shout out to their parents too like when i was watching your video during their tiny desk performance you said that their mom had helped set dress the yeah the space and like that space looked really nice so shout out to mom and dad yeah and probably little brother absolutely what's his name brandon brian brandon <laughs> i forget um, he's my little bet seat filler buddy <laughs> he's so small back then <laughs> oh it's like how's your brother doing <laughs> oh my gosh but yeah shout out to the whole family because it seems like they're very 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 supportive oh yeah it sucks that covid happened but at the same time they had that work in their favor because like you said they were everywhere and a huge reason why they were able to be everywhere is obviously because of like the internet and social media like looking at the places that they they performed for like they're doing performances like not just here for u.s outlets but they're also doing stuff like internationally right but Obviously, they're not going there. They can do it at home. So, like, that's, like, another really cool thing about nowadays. Like, again, if you compare the promo marketing of previous eras from, like, the artists from the 90s or the 2000s, like, they had to physically go there to the place. Whereas nowadays, it's like they were everywhere, but at the same time, just at home. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And also, this was very, very important to their live performance factor as well. It seemed like they studied Whitney Houston because Mm. every time they would do their song, 
they would try to flip it. Yep. So this is why I say that the live performances are so important. And that's why I also said in the last episode, I rarely listen to the actual recorded version of the album. Right. Because there are songs that they recreated that sound a hundred times better than the recorded version Mm. from do it, forgive me, go down the list. Yeah. Like I promise you, Nine times out of ten, they have a better live version of the song. Another huge thing was like the rise of TikTok that happened during this time. Yes. And coincides with the pandemic because people are staying home, obviously looking for ways to be entertained and feel connected. And with Do It, Chloe and Hallie had a dance that went viral and for a song to go viral on tiktok nowadays is huge it makes music shareable yeah the tiktok dance is shareable and personal and it's about creating an experience that connects us all which is exactly what do it was doing and i think the thing too about do it and it was still happening during the early days of tiktok was the virality of that moment was it felt more organic absolutely yeah. Compared to like nowadays, you're like, mm, I feel like you were really just doing it for the TikTok. Right, but, like, right. I really don't think they were just doing it for the TikTok. Like that no, actually felt yeah. like a genuine thing that caught on. Yeah. And, you know, this was a time again where artists were trying to figure out how to lift the spirits of everybody. Right. Yeah. At the time. And so just doing a cute little dance. All right, get up. You know, let's move. Mm-hmm. It definitely felt organic, like you said, for sure. Yeah. And I think another way to, we mentioned this before that they were able to be in touch with their fans was Ungali Hour Tea Times. Yeah. So <laughs> this was a moment where Chloe and Hallie would regularly get on Instagram Live and interact with their fans. So normally, I think it was like every Thursday. Oh my God. Yeah, it was regular. Oh, like actually regular, like once a week Once regular. a week, yeah. Damn. Thursday's Ungali Tea Time. How long did they do that for? Like a couple months? Like a month or so? Or No, they it went from April, May until january february so they did it for almost a year until hallie it was like the second month of hallie being in europe again filming oh, the little okay, mermaid okay. that's when it kind of died down yeah and that was like the end of their era and all of that stuff right they would get on instagram live every thursday at a specific time and they would either play games tell stories they always wanted to hear tea from you know the fans so the- <laughs> The fans would jump on and they would tell them a story of something that's happening in their life that's like super dramatic and Chloe and Hallie would either react to it or try to give them advice Uh or they would do these (laughs) talent shows Uh where they would invite fans to come like sing and rap. And when I tell you guys, cry laughing. I get secondhand embarrassment easily. Yeah. And of course, there are moments where people get on the live and they can't sing. Oh, no. Or they can't rap. Yeah. And both Hallie and Chloe are sitting there trying not to laugh. You and me taking over the world. You as my queen, I'm your king. We're going to be happily trying to see how long we can last. Making old niggas think of, making old niggas think of a past. That's it. Thank you so much. We're wishing you the best. That was amazing. Yeah, many blessings. Keep going, okay? Yeah. That was great. He is so sweet. What courage. That was really nice. What courage. That was really nice. There was one moment where a fan asked Hallie out. <gasps> oh, my, oh my gosh. Oh, my God. Quick story. This guy gets on live with them, 
and he's like, I'm interested in this girl. She lives in a different city. Oh, and no. And they think that oh, he's no. like saying a random chick, right? <gasps> and he's like, I want to know how to ask her out. And they're like really coaching him. You got to have confidence. You you may think she's out of your league, but you can't let her think or know that because then she's going to walk all over you. And then it gets to the point where he's like, all right, well, I just OK, I'm just going to ask you. And then all of a sudden he starts asking Hallie <laughs> out. <laughs> How do I get her number? Well, to be honest, I'm talking to her right now on <laughs> on Instagram live. <laughs> and in, in, that's why I feel like in, I, I have to ask for a, a Zoom date, you know, because like there's a lot of people watching and <laughs> this is the confidence in me just saying like all right like i'd like to talk to you a little bit more and like but not with like what four thousand people watching just like a little like half an hour or so talk oh okay so, so i'm doing it that's that's the t that's the t to hallie and if you guys can't <laughs> go watch this there is a clip of it on, on YouTube. You could just put in fan ass Hallie out on Instagram live. Oh my God. I am like stunned. Lord have mercy. Chloe's face was super stunned. And then she started egging him on. <laughs> like, yeah, Hallie, what do you say? What do you <laughs> answer the man? All right. Okay. What do you do? What's your, what you already what? told us? Oh, the film stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just got okay. in. Okay. Uh, Working, That's yeah, nice. I just started working for Disney at like the VFX. Oh, Hallie, got that in common. Wow. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's so, what I'm Hallie, saying. what is the answer? That was a, a great way to help market the album, continue marketing the album. Yeah. And being connected with their fans. Totally, completely agree. God, I just like every time celebrities were going on Instagram Live to connect with their fans, I would always get so nervous for them because my Lord, <laughs> there are some fans out there that just, they don't know what boundaries are. Oh man. And I get so nervous for the celebrity. Listen. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And especially on Instagram Live when you add somebody. Oh my God. Chloe and Hallie weren't able to click them off. They had to click off themselves. Oh, no. So they would be like, okay, all right, bye. Yeah. You know, and get out. They're just like, <laughs> so there's a couple times where they're just like, okay, oh, all right. Oh, God, how awkward. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, but it's a great watch. Yeah, that's cute, though. That's definitely because they're young. Yeah. That's what, that's what the kids do. So, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, I guess, okay, let's get into this little topic here. I mean, it's maybe not so little, but obviously Beyonce is a huge part of the puzzle that comes with the Chloe and Halle package. Do you think the Beyonce comparison works in their favor or hinders them? We know that they are talented in their own right, but Beyonce is sort of this like omnipresent being whenever you watch yeah. Chloe and Halle. And it's not because we know that they're signed to Parkwood, which is Beyonce's company but it's also because we see and we hear the beyonce right. isms the influence there so do you think like yeah the beyonce of it all actually helps them or it hurts them i think it's both and why i say it's both is because when they're doing good that's when people like to bring up beyonce mm. oh see this is why they're the protégés beyonce taught them well but then also this is where i think it hurts them because 
it strips them of their own artistry. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like when Tiny Desk came out, their Tiny Desk is freaking amazing. Yeah. And their vocals are insane. Yeah. And so when people first heard Tiny Desk, they were like, oh, Beyonce taught them that. And it's like, no, they were singing like that before on YouTube, you know? Right. They they had the skill set. It's not all Beyonce. Right. Like, yeah. yes, Beyonce is a stepping stone, a toolkit, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they can access. But they are amazingly talented on their own. But there's also other instances where I do think it's absolutely fair to bring up Beyonce in terms of their inspiration. Yeah. It's kind of like the um, Janet Michael comparisons. Right. It's like, of course, Janet is inspired by her brother like that's her brother she's inspired by her whole family she's the youngest absolutely and also i mean this goes for beyonce michael too but there's such influential artists like you can't help but absolutely. be influenced by them yes because they're just that omnipresent in music and in popular culture absolutely so when you have like that direct line there it kind of makes it even harder to navigate absolutely absolutely But I I feel like in some instances, like I said before, the Beyonce comparisons are absolutely warranted, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to Chloe, Mm -hmm. because she is baby Beyonce. Yeah, she really is. For sure. Like, Like, even (laughs) when you watch Chloe perform, you're like, oh my God, like you really watched Beyonce growing up. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Down to the vocal arrangements. Yeah. Sometimes their runs sound almost identical to a Beyonce run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it's just it's just there. Yeah. What I do hate, though, is people bringing up Beyonce every time in an interview. Uh, you just wrapped up your tour with Beyonce and JC. Again with the Beyonce thing. Like, you say you... Sh- oh, that's wild. Because I know when you first get the opportunity to be in the presence of Beyonce... Mm-hmm. Break my soul. You won't break my soul. So Beyonce, you're you're signed to Beyonce's Parkwood, which is like entertainment and management, right? So you're signed for six albums. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's what interviewers tend to do, too, with, like, Kelly and Michelle. As we talked about in the last <laughs> yeah. episode, the Destiny's Child episode. It's a weird relationship with Beyonce. Uh-huh. That benefits them and hinders them both at the same time yeah i i can agree with that as well it's not like beyonce is like actively trying to overpower them it's more so people keep bringing beyonce into conversations situations where it's like actually this is like nothing really to do with beyonce at the moment absolutely especially their performances beyonce had nothing to do with that she was chilling at her house like yeah (laughs) doing what she do they were working twins like They were working their ass off on that tennis court. Yeah. That was them, you know? Uh-huh. So why is Beyonce being brought up? Outside of the fact that they're simply just connected to Beyonce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's frustrating, you know? Right. Like, give them credit. Absolutely. Independently from Beyonce. Absolutely. But now, let's move on to Video Killed the Radio Star. Video where we talk about the music videos from the era. Not an in-depth discussion of every video, but Angie and I are going to go back and forth talking about one in particular for whatever reason. Let's list the videos. Hopefully I watched all of them. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure I did. So there were three music videos, Forgive Me, Do It, and Ungodly Hour, that were all directed by Sarah C. Prince. So it has that same sort of visual look and aesthetic. We like cohesiveness. Yes. Angie, which music video did you want to talk about? This one was a hard one for me because I'm not particularly too fond of the videos. Me too. But I'm going to pick Do It. Because it's a feel-good video, it was the first video of the era. Uh It really set in that they were definitely trying to appeal to a bigger audience this time around. Uh I think they got their message across that they were indeed grown and sexy. Uh I love the simplicity of the video. They were serving looks. All of the looks that they had in every video is very, like, futuristic- Afrofuturism, shout out. And like all their videos were more like conceptual vibe heavy where they would integrate some choreography. There wasn't really any narrative there. It's more like vibe, which is very like now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also chose Do It Too. I chose Do It Too because I feel like the Do It video like captures them the best. Yeah. In my opinion. I think they look the most like themselves. Yeah. And I feel like this captured their vibrancy and youth still. Yeah, I agree. Because, yeah, we know that you are grown, you're getting older. But in the grand scheme of things, it looks like you're you're still young. So right. um, yeah. <laughs> I also think, too, like this video had the best chemistry. I agree. Compared to the other ones. Like yeah. they're dancing with one another. Right. They look like they're genuinely having a lot of fun. So, yeah, that's that's why I, I chose to do it as well. Yeah. And, it, and I also like the color scheme of the warmer sunset that. colors. Love. I was about to say that. Yes. Well, Angie, which song do you wish got a music video and what would have been your concept and treatment? Okay, people, get ready. Oh, here we go. Yes. I'm going to pick my favorite song, Tipsy. Okay. Mm, okay. And it would be directed by F. Gary Gray. This is the same director who did Waterfalls. He also directed a lot of rap videos and Mm -hmm. set it off. You know, I'm going for F. Gary Gray to give that little extra oomph, okay? So it starts off with Chloe and Hallie in the police station getting questioned. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's like a little skit at the beginning. No music. Uh Uh-huh. Starts off with them in the police station. They're getting questioned. The cops keep asking them to spill the beans on a couple murders. Oh, okay. they're suspects of. But they're not talking. They're just, like, keeping quiet. They're making these, like, really crazy faces. But they look maniacal almost. Uh Uh-huh. But they don't say anything. And then, whoop, flashback to 48 hours earlier. Then this is when the song drops. I like this narrative. Yeah. You know? I'm trying. (laughs) So then it cuts to Hallie in a warehouse and I picked a warehouse to go with the other themes of the music videos Uh because all the other videos were in warehouses. Yeah. So cut to Hallie in a warehouse with this dude hanging upside down by his ankles and she's like singing the verse. Right. Uh 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 She has like on the side, there's like all these tools where she wants to like use them to torture him Mm. and she's like trying to pick him out and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. giving very much harley quinn like i said before okay and she's laughing and it's like funny to her but this guy's like getting tortured in the back like he's dying Uh (laughs) uh uh-huh and then the chorus they're in a jeep with you know the jeeps with no roof right like the convertibles and they're just driving around being absolute menaces to society this is like very like spring breakers yes (laughs) Yes. Spring break. <laughs> Spring break. 
Spring break forever. Cut to Chloe. Her verse, she's doing pretty much the same thing. She's got a dude being tortured in the back. And then when the second chorus comes on, they're both in the warehouse and they're like revving chainsaws and stuff. And they're just like singing tipsy and all this crazy stuff. Then the end comes and they're at the police station. This is unrealistic, but it happens in my world. They don't have enough evidence to hold them, so they let them go free. Mm. They're walking out of the police station, Mm -hmm. and they're just, like, laughing. And, you know, it's the slow-mo where they're about to, like, put their sunglasses on, so their locks are, like, flowing. Yeah. And they put their sunglasses on. Yeah. Then they look at the Jeep that's, like, parked in front of the police station, Mm -hmm. smile at each other, give each other high fives, and then start running to the Jeep. And then it's, like, in freeze frame, boom. You know how, like, the, the film Beauty was like beauty oh my god let's not talk about that but yes (laughs) (laughs) it's tipsy (laughs) big letters boom first of all i love your concept but i feel like you have tapped the wrong director for this because f gary gray like i mean come on he's the 90s let's bring it into the i feel like when you started describing your concept we should get like melina matsukas who did the trailer for beyonce and jay-z's run yeah like that whole aesthetic she's great or i was thinking like too aesthetically if like you got one of the directors from whoever directs euphoria to do lord and she's like let's get f gary gray i'm like i love f gary gray too but like let's bring them a bit more current (laughs) i picked f gary gray because he's good with like crazy wild scenes Mm, okay okay yeah 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 that's why i was thinking Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you're thinking like cinematography you're like i'm thinking like cinematography i'm thinking they are young they're fresh yeah let's bring them into the modern age but i really love your concept thank you i think you actually win here because i had such a i was struggling oh really i've never struggled with the previous artists until Queen of music video concept struggled i know i i struggled <laughs> because i was like we all know which song i would have wanted to have a video yes. but it just does not fit their visual aesthetic mm. for the era i'm gonna give you the one that i landed on and then we'll go back to don't make it harder on me okay so okay. i would have done busy boy okay that's fair and it just would have been like a very similar visual aesthetic afrofuturism mm-hmm. they're giving looks but like i want light bdsm vibes yes okay i want to like a man who is strapped to a hannibal lecter chair okay and he has like a contraption on his face where it's like mask and like chains and leather i want the chair to be like upright in the beginning and then like chloe and hallie could enter in from opposite sides it's like black metals chains and i want chloe and hallie essentially like dancing around the chair teasing the guy and maybe they could do some choreo that makes it look like they're manipulating or moving the chair in some way and there'll be like flashing lights because they really like that in this in this era so that's like very basic that would have been busy boy because i feel like they're very stationary in their era with the videos that's true but you said light bdsm and it's heavy bdsm it's like (laughs) you're like whips change yeah get it all yeah maybe like intro to bdsm (laughs) that will be busy boy bdsm 101 and they could have like a lookalike diggy in the chair to really feed into the rumors that would be great that would be hilarious angie wins ding 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 angie wins the video concept round here but 
My second option would have been don't make it harder on me. Like I said, I still don't really know what this would have been. It was just me really pushing like, I want a video for this. (laughs) But the basic idea would have been like a nod to the past. Nostalgia. My first idea, for some reason, I keep picturing like a roller rink. Oh, like a nod to the 70s. And I'm like, should this be taking place in the 70s? Or it just takes place at a roller rink as a nod to the 70s? Not quite sure yet. But basically, it's like a group of friends hanging out and they're all coupled up. But then Chloe and Hallie, they each have that one guy in the friend group that they have a pass with. As the video plays out, like Chloe and Hallie, like they keep making eyes with the guy instead of like paying attention to the current boyfriend that they have. And they always like keep having instances where they like run into each other. Like maybe Chloe and the love interest are at the concession stand together and they're like, oh, it's you again. Like that sort of thing. I love the roller rink concept so much. Yeah. I think that would have been a good time to have random cameos yeah right from like, their grownish castmates from their grownish cast uh their little brother branson beyonce like, roles i'm just kidding <laughs> could you imagine though maybe blue i mean miss tina Knowles. she probably it's corny joke time <laughs> it's corny joke time but there's like so many things that could have happened or a roller rink idea That's a good one. Yeah. That's a really, really good one. But see, like, none of that fits the aesthetic of the Ungodly Hour era. But, you know, there's always that one video. Random one-off. Yeah, in the era that Mm. doesn't really tie to anything. Yeah. But it's still good. Yeah. This could have been it. Boom. Could have been it. Yeah. We could have had it all. (laughs) Adele. (laughs) Okay, so now let's move on to The Mic Is On. It's not Memorex. I go on stage and my microphone is on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is where we talk about live performances that happened during the era. Obviously, a little asterisk here is that sometimes we will be talking about performances where the mic is not on, even though this segment is called The Mic is On. But... Another additional asterisk too to this is, again, because this happened during COVID, a lot of these performances are not necessarily live. They're virtual performances. But before we begin, I just need to, again, give a shout out to Angie, who has an amazing video on her YouTube channel where she literally counts down the best performances, in her opinion, from the era. Check it out if you haven't already. It's really well done, really well edited, very comprehensive. Good job, Angie. Thanks. So... Angie, um, I feel like you've been really prepping for this uh, segment for quite some time. What is the performance that you want to talk about? Well, despite my number one on that video, I'm going to go with Verizon concert. Okay. I want to go with the Verizon concert because it was such a big moment for them. Mm -hmm. The outfits were on point. Yes. They were wearing like these skin tight jumpsuits mm-hmm. they look gorgeous the mic was definitely on oh it was always on during this era so <laughs> but there's like specific moments that i want to talk about and it is tipsy going into forgive me mm. there was this like bridge that ended up happening at the end of tipsy mm-hmm. going into forgive me mm-hmm. the build-up was so nice don't you fuck up Forgive me happens. You once got me fucked. 
where Chloe, it seems like she is truly angry at somebody. Mm-hmm. She starts cussing out. It's like, diggy, you guys. It's a diggy. <laughs> <laughs> she starts going off script. Now, if you guys, when you guys look at this clip, look at Hallie. Because at a certain point, Hallie looks over because Chloe went off script. And she's like, oh. All right. Hey. She's like, we didn't rehearse this part. (laughs) I think we just, we got emotionally into that one. So I just completely blinked. And also this is the performance where a lot of people started sexualizing Chloe. Oh. Because Miss Ma'am was doing a lot on this performance. Mm. At one point she's like grinding on the microphone stand. Yeah. She's getting it in. She's doing her thing. She's performing, darling. She's performing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then cool people at the end, Mm. which is basically Chloe and Halle's Halo. So cool people was off their first album. The kids are all right. But when they performed this song, I never heard them perform this song like they did before this concert. I love this concert performance. So good. Highly recommend. Boom. Check it out. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, the performance that I have chosen is the NPR Tiny Desk home concert. Yes. I always knew that this was the one I was going to pick even after watching (laughs) your video. (laughs) But it landed pretty high. It was number two, I believe, right? It was number two, yeah. For me, I just feel like NPR Tiny Desk, like that's our modern day equivalent of MTV Unplugged. Absolutely. They open with my favorite song. Yes. Hello. Yes. Their set list was Don't Make It Harder On Me, Baby Girl, Do It ungodly hour and then wonder what she thinks of me so like that's an incredible run of songs there but i just i love the whole thing like the vocals are out of this world harmonies woo! (laughs) um live version genuinely adds something new angie already name dropped my buddy whitney but it is very whitney-esque love the live arrangement shout out to the all-female band yes love the set the flowers thank you mother yes thank you mother (laughs) i love the way that they're dressed so this one stylistically is different because it's not super glam like it's way more casual they're wearing cute sweat outfits yeah yeah and they just look really comfortable they're barefoot yeah i love the casual vibe like they're comfy and cozy i just think it fits tiny desk home concert vibes absolutely their version of joe make it harder on me in this like the way it opens like it's cut to black oh. and then you just hear the beginning the sh- yes and then like yeah. they appear like it fades in it's their soothing voices hello everyone yeah. and welcome to our tiny home desk yes i'm chloe <laughs> and i'm hallie and this is don't make it hard on me <laughs> and Man. it's just like oh my god Just friends now. You already had your chance. So I need you to stop. 
performances this is the one yeah this is the one this is the version of don't make it hard on me that i listen to like when you listen to the tiny desk version and then you go back to the record yeah like it sounds so different it sounds almost empty a little bit because this version feels so full shout out to the band shout out to the band but we need to talk about the star of the show in my opinion Mm -hmm. wonder what she thinks of me Mm. because the arrangement oh my gosh it sounds so different than the record version so much more i can say about this just they're just so good so freaking good the only thing i wish they would have done is i wish they added lonely into the set list because i feel like that really fit quarantine vibes and this felt very like you know quarantine performance oh i just got chills if they had did lonely oh my word oh my lanta Mm -hmm. which song would you have taken out oh god because if they if they only could do five because usually tiny desks are between 19 and 22 minutes i would take out baby girl whoa yeah overdo it overdo it i honestly i probably would have taken out ungali hour even though it sounds so good yeah to get lonely who because then the do it lonely wonder what she thinks of me run oh it would have been perfect yeah it would have been really good oh my gosh I just want to say, though, honorable mention to their duet performance at the GLAAD Awards because they literally dressed up as the Spice, Spice Girls. Girls. <laughs> they, they absolutely did. All roads lead back to the Spice Girls. Thank you very much. Hallie dresses as posh. I will say she should have been wearing black, not gold, but that's okay. <laughs> Chloe is scary. And then they also have drag queens in there with them. So yeah. Naomi is ginger. Mayhem is baby. And Vanjie is sporty. Yep. So if you guys want to check out an homage to the Spice Girls, yep. <laughs> check it out. It's really fun. And that rendition is really good, too. It's a different rendition of do it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's really good. Yeah. I feel like literally most of the girl groups that we covered post Spice Girls era have name checked them in some way yeah so look lesson all roads <laughs> lead back to the spice girls they're the blueprint yes coming up in the fall yeah our spice girls episode Woo. get excited <laughs> let's get into some receipts let's do it no way i want to see the receipts okay show me the receipts this is where we talk stats of the album charts sales awards notable recognition what receipts do you have angie i have a lot but I will say this is the first time I was frustrated looking at the receipts Mm. because of everything that we talked about and they got paid dust this era. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. But the Ungali Hour hit the top 20 on both the Billboard's 200 and R&B hip hop charts. They got nominated for a bunch of awards, three Grammy nominations Best Progressive Album, Best R&B Song, Do It, Best Traditional R&B Performance, Wonder What She Thinks of Me, NWCP nominations. They won Outstanding Duo, Group Collab, Wonder What She Thinks of Me, Outstanding Soul R&B Song for Do It, B 
BT Awards. They got nominated for Album of the Year, Best Group, Lost to Silk Sonic. Mm. I'm still in my feelings about that, mm. but we're not going to linger on that. Yeah. They were nominated for her award at the BT Awards for Baby Girl, Video of the Year, Do It. They were nominated for MTV VMAs, Best R&B Performance, and Best Quarantine Performance. And they didn't get it. Yeah, that's the thing with Chloe and Hallie during this era is they have a lot of nominations, but they don't really win. Paid dust. They at the very least should have won Best Quarantine <laughs> Performance. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only thing I really have to add is that Do It was notably their first entry on the Billboard Hot 100, peaked at number 63. This is their highest charting album. Yes. On the Billboard 200. But also just in general, like this album, it landed on a lot of 2020's best of lists. Yeah. So it was number 10 on Time's 10 best albums of 2020. Number 19 on Rolling Stone's 50 best albums of 2020. NPR's 50 best albums of 2020. This was number 23. Like they were consistently being recognized by these music publications as being like one of the best of the year. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm still in my feelings though about some of these awards. No, I understand. Like, I understand. Jeebus. <laughs> Let's move on to impact and closing thoughts. Angie, what do you think is the legacy and impact of Ungodly Hour? I think like five, ten years from now, when people look at Ungodly Hour, they are going to look at it with such fondness. It's going to be one of those albums that we talk about that is like pivotal to the 2020s era of music mm-hmm. it's starting off the decade but it also such a groundbreaking record for a time when the world was shut down i think we're going to give it more appreciation as time goes on for what it did what they were able to do during that time mm-hmm. you know i also think too like hopefully with the more stuff that chloe and hallie keeps putting out together Hopefully people will come back to Ungodly Hour and be like, oh, yeah, like we didn't really give that album as much attention as we should have in in real time. I think also what they were managed, they were able to do with this era is establish themselves as like we are really great live performers. Absolutely. Check out the live performances. Like that was my huge takeaway from this Ungodly Hour era is like, man, Chloe and Hallie, like they're the real fucking deal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, let's finish this sentence. Andrew, you can interpret this any way you want. But Chloe and Halley's Ungodly Hour is the album that blank. Go. Chloe and Halley's Ungodly Hour is the album that is better live. You guys listen to the live version. Oh, okay. Wow. I didn't think you were going to go that way, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, because I feel like in order to fully love and get to the position that we're at, you have to appreciate the live performances. Right. I don't think we get to where we at in regards of looking at it as a classic without the live performances. Mm -hmm. So take time and go listen to them live and then come back. And I feel like you'll be able to fully appreciate them as artists. Yeah, that's a really good one. I like that. I like that sentence. For me, I would say Chloe and Hallie's Ungodly Hour is the album that reminds me of the pandemic, but in a good way. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Because it was new music during a really intense time. And honestly, like anything that I discovered during the initial height of the pandemic, I feel some sort of like like emotional attachment to in terms of like music or TV shows. You know, I'm always like, man, that was 
that was 2020 like that really yeah. helped me get through it and it also just like literally has one of my favorite songs in recent years on the album shout out <laughs> to don't make it harder on me just gives me hope there are younger artists out there that have actually studied what came before so right there we go chloe and hallie's ungodly hour boom mic drop all right, Angie. Well, I have a surprise rapid fire question round oh, because we Lord. have now come to the end of our girl group diva summer, even though by the time this episode comes out, we're already in September. Yeah. Thank you, Beyonce, for pushing back our, <laughs> our schedule for two weeks. But it's OK. It's OK. <laughs> <laughs> so since we've now come to the end of our girl group diva summer, I thought it would be fun to do rapid fire question round after, you know, all of the girl groups we've talked about. Okay. I'm like, so here's a pop quiz. Right? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm nervous right no, now. No, no, no. These are, these are like your opinion. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. here we go. So after all the episodes, which was your favorite girl group that we covered? I'm going to have to say, oh, that's a hard one. Lord, that's a hard one. Mm, it's going to be a cross between TLC and actually Destiny's Child mm. because it made me fall in love with Destiny's Fulfilled again. Mm. And I'm still bumping that record right now. That's good. That's good. Favorite girl group we covered is probably going to be Pussycat Dolls. I thought you were about to say Danny Kane. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um yeah mine would be pussycat dolls because i don't think i realized how much the pussycat dolls meant to me right. and how much i still love them until we were doing those episodes like right. i was like wow i have really strong feelings about the pussycat dolls so <laughs> and she and she did yeah they were my favorite girl group we covered which is your favorite girl group album that we talked about hmm. again it's gonna be a cross between tlc and destiny child mm, okay Mine is going to be Crazy Sexy Cool. Boom. Too. Okay. The TLC album. That's a classic album. I knew it going in and I knew it yeah. coming out. So <laughs> there we go. Which is a girl group that you have an appreciation for now that you didn't before? That's a hard one because I feel like every episode. <laughs> I love how Angie always <laughs> begins every answer. <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> it is because I feel like every episode going in, I pretty much knew what I was getting into. Mm. I already had an appreciation for In Vogue and SWV TLC. So there's not any girl group that left me more appreciative. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, see, this is why this is why we love them. Yeah. So basically, Angie like got nothing out of the past couple of weeks. So <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> there we go. For me, I would say it's En Vogue. Hey, okay. Because I really didn't know too much about them aside from like their hits. Right. And also Danity Kane, hey. believe it or not, because I have grown some level of compassion for them. Yes. So yeah, those would be the two. If you could go back and see any of those groups in their prime live, who would you go to? Shh. I think we know the answer. TLC. <laughs> TLC is the answer for everything. TLC. <laughs> TLC. I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you, though. To see Left Eye doing her thing, especially as a huge TLC fan, and she's no longer here with us, I would just love to go see TLC. Because all the other girl groups you could kind of see now, mm -hmm. any variations of them, you still can kind of see them live now. Yeah. But TLC, see the three of them. Oh, my goodness. 
my heart. I would say the same. Yes. TLC, because, you know, Left Eye's no longer here with yes. us. So if you could see any of them live now, who would you go see? Chloe and Hallie, once they get their tour dates out, listen, I'm there. Oh, my goodness. And especially because they have the solo stuff coming out, too. I just would love to see them live. They really haven't had like a full, huge headliner tour yet. So I'm I'm like, I'm ready for that. Yeah, I would say the same, too. I think Chloe and Hallie right now, I would go and see because I really want to see. Don't make it harder on me perform <laughs> live. Uh, OK, um, two more. Yeah. Which girl group do you think deserves a residency? Oh, a residency. I would have to say SWV. Mm. I was going to say Invoke, but Invoke got issues. And it's not the original four. Yeah. But SWV, Chloe and Halley's too young. We're probably never going to see Dusty's Child again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pussycat Dolls, Nicole. Nicole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, SWV. Let's go with SWV. Oh, wait. No, no, no. TLC could do it too. Oh, right. Yeah, they most definitely can. Yeah, they definitely deserve a residency. Yeah. I'm going to say the Pussycat Dolls. I think Nicole needs to get her shit together, <laughs> and I think they could perform a really great Las Vegas residency. They already had a show. Yeah. It was not them, but they had a Pussycat Dolls thing going on in Vegas. I think they are so prime and ready for Las Vegas. They just need to get their shit together, figure it out. Nicole and Robin Anton, go to Vegas, get the residency. I will be there. Pussycat Dolls. I will say the Pussycat Dolls was the obvious choice because there's so much setup. Yeah. All ready for them. Yeah. I, I just They're feel prime. like Nicole is not going to be for it. Nicole, come on. <laughs> come on, Nicole. Okay. Last question. If any of these groups could come out with the new album now, like which one would you want a new album from and you think would do well? Chloe and Halle. And it's not even close. Chloe and Halle. I'm going to say Destiny's Child. I have for the longest oh! time been wanting Destiny's Child to reunite. That's a good one too. I know Destiny Fulfilled was there, but I want Beyonce, Kelly, Michelle. That's true. They're older you know now what? to reunite. Maybe they could have their kids on interludes in the album. Oh I don't goodness. know, but I've been wanting a Beyonce, Kelly, Michelle reunion for the longest time. And every time I see them together, it just makes me want a reunion even more. I genuinely think out of every group, with the exception of Chloe and Hallie, like I think they could feasibly come up with something good. And it not be like, oh, they're trying to recapture. Like I right, think right. they could actually come up with something good. So we want a new Destiny's Child album. Come on. You guys, that's the correct answer. It is Destiny's Child. I, I totally forgot about Destiny's Child for a split second. Steffi reminded me. There we go. Well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> okay, well... This ends Girl Group Diva Summer. Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. What an intense journey for everyone. (laughs) Angie, where can the people find you if they want to follow you on socials? At Poetry Soul 3 on Twitter at Sleepy Nerd Productions on YouTube. And you could find me on Twitter and Instagram. That's at INN underscore MHO. And then on YouTube, in my humble opinion. And of course, if you want to follow the pod, we're on social media too. It's at Diva Daily's pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us any of your girl group diva thoughts to divadailiespod at gmail.com. If you have been listening to us over the past couple of weeks on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to rate and review us. We have a goal of reaching 35 star ratings on Spotify and 50 ratings on Apple Podcasts and 10 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So 
So we need your help to get there. Let's do this. Come on, girl groups, teamwork. We can reach these goals together. And if you leave a review or reach out to us in any way, we will read your message on the podcast or play it if you send it as a voice message. Angie, should we preview what we are going to be doing for the next couple of weeks? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so our theme for the next couple of weeks is we are going to be looking at anniversaries. There are a lot of anniversary dates coming up, like the 25th anniversary of certain albums, the 40th anniversary of a particular album. It's a special year, 2022. So yeah, that's what we're pretty much going to be doing is talking about these big diva albums that came out 25 ish years or so ago should we preview the next one specifically that we're going to be talking about absolutely enter mimi the elusive chanteuse <laughs> it's mariah carey's butterfly What a big a album. Big album. Oh, oh my, my God. What a big era. I'm just like getting overwhelmed thinking about it. <laughs> Night sweats. Oh my God. Are we going to yes. do it justice? But we're going to try because this is a diva podcast. And if we don't talk about Mariah Carey at some point, like what the hell are we doing? So over the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about Mariah Carey's Butterfly. Listen to the album if you haven't already. Watch the performances. Immerse yourself in Mariah and the glory and come back next week. Yep. But yeah, that's pretty much it. We hope you guys have enjoyed Girl Group Divas Summer. It has been such a fun time talking about all of these different girl groups. We hope you got something out of it. We did. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your support. And as always, remember divas. So the thing is, a diva has to be good at what she does. 